Uh, great to be with you, C3 Calgary, awesome, and uh, it's uh, been, well, probably, what, nearly over two years, is it? Three? three? Oh, man. <sighs> well, there we go. Three years, I can't believe that, with all that's gone on in the world, um, hindering our progress, but not, <laughs> because we are like behind in uh, Habakkuk, uh, what is it, uh, the last chapter anyway of Habakkuk, uh, we've been given hind's feet, and I think it's the Amplified Version says that he's given us the, the feet of a hind that we can make progress upon our uh, high places of suffering and responsibility. The church has never got behind in its purposes and in God's plan because of world events. I got a letter from someone this week um, uh, sort of saying, uh, sort of sounded like they might be a Christian, but some of the intonation in the letter just made me wonder whether they were fishing for some sort of response uh, in writing. But they said, you know, how can we believe God in a situation like what is happening in the world today? Well, I just got news for that person. I haven't responded yet, but uh, I, I believe God all the more. I don't believe he's the author of it. Um, but this throws me into God, not throws me away from God. Never has, never will. I got raised from a father by a father who went into the Second World War and came uh, a Christian as he was going to war. And all of his four and a half years at war uh, in active service, he was discipled by padres on a battlefield. So uh, his, his context for his faith, the beginnings of his faith was, whatever happens to me, God's in control and I surrender to that. All things work together for good that, uh, for them that love God and are called according to his purpose. And he used to keep writing at home to his mother who was yet to be saved. You know? <laughs> I have those war letters. But I really appreciate that, that that's a foundation that the church has to live on. And in this time of uh, a geopolitical uh, difficulties like we're seeing so terribly. Um, we must never forget, same with the pandemic, Jesus never lost the plot. That's right. That's right. He did not get dethroned. It wasn't even a surprise to him. He didn't lose ground. He's making ground. What we don't see and understand, he knows a whole lot better. How many... Times as the prophets told us that God's doing more behind our back than in front of us. So this is these things we need to come back to uh, in our times of shakenness and uh, shaking and so on. And um, I, 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 I'm not really here to exhort and talk about all of that. I'll probably get myself into hot water if I do, um, because you're having a Holy Spirit month, and uh, that's usually what I've uh, come in for. And I noticed that your key text is. Um, from Galatians 5.25, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. How cool is that? That's the New Living Translation. New King James is, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Um, when Bill just sent me just some of the thematic... Um, you know, idea of what's going on. Then he also said, then preach on anything you like, you know. <laughs> so um, I'm going to take both those pieces of advice <laughs> because I like to preach on the Spirit, right? But um, yes, I, I, I do have something that's settled in my spirit for today and I want to bring that to you. But uh, it couldn't be more um, in, in a 
not oblique way, but in an in a, uh, outcome way, uh, couldn't be more pertinent to that theme text that you have. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. A lot of people are not walking in the Spirit in this time. And they're in panic mode, they're in fear mode, um, they're in uh, frustration mode, they're in fight mode against the wrong things. Um, they're doing all sorts of things. I'm not pointing fingers around. Don't, you, you don't know what side I'm on, so I can say this. So I'm on no side. Right? I'm on no side. But the point is, people stop walking in the Spirit. I'm talking about Christians, I'm not talking about those others out there that never walk in the Spirit. <laughs> you know, those ones that we love, who we want to see, we want to see come into the, the, the glorious realm of walking in the Spirit, the realm in which the same Spirit of Christ, that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us and will quicken our mortal bodies. And so we live in expectation of resurrection life. And that resurrection life is already functional in us. It, that's how we're born again. It's raising us up from the, out of our trespasses and sins. We were dead in trespasses and sins. And it's working in us right now towards eternity. That's why it's called eternal life. Because eternal life is a quality of life by the Spirit, not something that relates to a calendar after the calendar is finished. You know? And so we're going to walk in that eternal spirit. We're going to walk in that uh, uh, life, uh, that, 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 that indomitable life, that life that cannot, at the end, be subject to what goes on in this world. It will overcome it, even if it doesn't change the current crisis and circumstance. And let's hope that God does as we pray. But even if we pass through difficult times, we know that at the end of the day, we're walking through uh, into a glorious resurrection. Uh, we're in, walking through to uh, a new heaven and a new earth. We're walking through to where the absolute triumph of the cross will be seen and known visibly. And, you know, it, it, that, that's what we're about. So we have, this, we have this lofty and high vision that pulls us there, but it's the Spirit in us. That quickens that. That gets us keeping on, keeping on. That's why strange things happen under, under um, incredible uh, pressure. The Christians gather in a subway and worship God with their hands raised. You know, it's a, the, the Christians kneel in the, in the city square when missiles are going over. And it is not just utter panic mode. It's connecting to where the hope really is. It's why Christians valiantly go into the fray and say, well, like my father said, all things work together for, God, uh, to, for good, for them that love God and called according to his purpose. Don't worry, mum. <laughs> you know, these are strange things to say. But that's what's going on in the world. And <clears throat> uh, my title slide, I don't know whether it's up there yet. It is. Oh, it is. So just keep that up there for a little bit. Uh, keep calm. <laughs> <laughs> so, so here's a message from uh, Winston Churchill. Keep calm. <laughs> Keep calm. Keep calm. But you'll notice I got under that. This is the year for God to act. It's a quote from um, uh, Luke 4, 18 to 19, where uh, Jesus comes into the uh, hometown synagogue and uh, he unfolds the scroll of Isaiah, finds Isaiah 61, and he reads out this verse or these verses that, that in a sense he was coming out. In a sense, I can say it this way if I'm not stealing too much of my thunder going on, but um, he was breaking 500 years of silence to say, the promise is come to pass. 
The promise is all in me. You know, he didn't say it like that. That was unfolding. But when he unrolled that scroll, 500 years of no prophetic activity whatsoever, plus nearly 2,000, if not, and more, 2,000 years of prophecy and promises that hadn't yet come to pass. So you and I get to moan about the ones that haven't come to pass yet. (laughs) And on that day... He stands up, unrolls the scroll, and he says, the Spirit is upon me. Boom. There it is. The resurrection life, the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is upon me. He's chosen me to preach the message of good news to the poor, sent me to announce pardon to prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind and run into holes and hide and get all fearful and fight and press against and shout and scream. Sorry, that's the wrong Bible. I missed that. Uh, that, That's from the panicked version. God's Spirit is upon me. He's chosen me to preach the message of good news to the poor. He sent me to announce. Look, I'm sorry I'm going to get lost in little thoughts, but, you know, there's no world crisis that the authentic Christian has stopped preaching the good news through. That's why you and I sit in church in a free country. Because people through all the hell and high water of human history have continued to preach the hope and the glory of Jesus Christ. Oh man, it's really good, Adrian. I'm glad you're here. So God's Spirit is on me. I've got to get past this text. God's Spirit is on me, chosen me to preach the message of good news to the poor, sent me to announce pardon to prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the burdened and battered free, to announce this is God's year to act. Well, that's not a bad word to get at the beginning of a year, is it? I mean, actually, and you'll find in your more uh, word-for-word translations, this is the year of God's acceptance, the year when God says yes. Oh, bam! 500 years of no promises. 2,000 years loaded with promises. And then suddenly, he's standing there saying, this is God's year to act, as Eugene Peterson translates. Very good catching the moment. This is God's year to act. This is the time. It wasn't just that 12 months he was talking about. This is the time where God's yeses will come to pass. And he broke that silence. I see, just while the title slide still sits there, keep calm, folks. This is the year for God to... This is the text that I got in a very dour beginning of 2022. I'm... Patty and I happily go down to um, Nashville. Nashville's now spelt with a (laughs) G-N-A-S. Ganashville. But we went down to Nashville to have Christmas with our son and daughter-in-law and kids and grandkids. And we, we did the Christmas thing, went to some magnificent Christmas shows and mega churches and got COVID. So America being America, they give you everything free. So we, we ended up having to self-isolate. So we took ourselves into a, a hotel, um, didn't want to stay with the family. They have uh, work offices in their house and people coming and going and 
all sorts of good reasons why we didn't want to give them what we've got and what we then had. And uh, we, were, we were actually in a very bad state uh, physically and uh, the COVID hit us really exceptionally hard. And so we ended up for nearly two weeks in a hotel just at the same time as a you're kind of like the 30-year, 50-year um, snow and ice storm. Now, that's nothing to you guys. You go, so what? But, you know, uh, in, in Ganashville, everything just closes down. Totally. <laughs> and uh, the neighborhood we went into the hotel was, was like a ghost town. And all we had to survive on for two weeks, we, you know, we had, <laughs> we had to almost sneak past the receptionist because just past the receptionist was a shelf with, um, you know, those instant noodle cup things. You could put one on your, on your room bill if you wanted something. It's like that's all they had. There was nothing open, no restaurant, no nothing, 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 nothing. And so we, for two weeks, we lived on instant noodles. But it didn't matter because we'd lost our taste and smell. <laughs> now, I could actually describe for you some of the negative and desperate times. That was really, really bad. We, there was a couple of times when my finger was on the 911 for... For, for our lives, really. It was really, really a terrible moment. But in, <laughs> in that darkness of isolation, you know, my daughter-in-law phoned up or texted up one day and said, I can bring you over some food. And I thought, no, because you come into this and you catch this, you're going to take this home to your kids and your workers, you know. And I, I had to say, no thanks. So, you know, that's how we spent our... <sighs> Haven't seen our grandkids for three years. Uh, <laughs> that's how we spent our Christmas and New Year. A dour time indeed. And so there's plenty of time to read your Bible between coughing and spluttering and everything else. So generally around Christmas time, I soak myself in the Christmas narratives of the Gospels. I just love getting into the story and exploring it further and just devotionally reading the Christmas story. And I was in Luke. And it just so happens that when you get past the Christmas period and you're past all the Christmas narrative, then the next stage of Jesus' story that Luke presents in his narrative comes up fairly quickly, and it's the only gospel that does it. And he gives that story of when Jesus was a boy. Now, regardless of all those people from pseudo-Scripture who've said, you know, he used to heal doves and do little miracles in the playground, um, none of those things are really in the gospel. The only account we have of Jesus' youth is when he was 12 years old, and... Um, He'd been up at the feast with his parents, and uh, this speaks a lot of the cohesion and community and connectiveness of that society, that when that caravan of family were moving back out of town to go home, they didn't worry about where Jesus was in the midst of it. The kids were running backwards and forwards between the camel legs and going right down to the other end of it and up and down with all their cousins. It didn't worry them because everybody was in a care situation of extended family and love and, and whatever, except that three days later. Now, I mean, how can you miss your kid for three days? Okay, so... 
But we'll come back to that in a minute and put that in its more exact form. But in, in, in that story, I felt the Lord begin to speak to me. And that's kind of what I want to deliver to you. And the first thing I felt, if I can just have this sort of audacity, you know, you have preachers say, you know, and the Lord said to me, and I said to the Lord, and you get this picture that there's this amazing voice-to-voice com- commentary thing, you know. It's really so to speak. <laughs> it's really so to speak. So to speak. The Lord said to me, so to speak. Um, uh, in the midst of all the pandemic, in the midst of that dour situation, in the midst of the the pending terrible geopolitical situation that's just playing out right now, the Lord says to me, keep calm, this is the time. Out of that text I just read you, because that then follows on from the Jesus boy story. Keep calm, for this is the year for God to act. Keep calm. This is the year of yes, the year of the acceptable year of the Lord. This is the year. This is the time when I will do what I've said I would always do. Well, when you're in a dour moment, it's not like you bounce out of bed, leap around the room and say, I'm healed, I'm healed. Um, you know, that's not exactly what happened at all. We had another, <laughs> another week at home feeling as bad. But, but the, thing, the, the thing and the point I'm wanting to really get across to us just at this beginning is that in the middle of all this, the Spirit says, keep calm, this is the time. If you live in the Spirit, also walk in the Spirit. That's your key text for this period, you know? If we're living by the Spirit, follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our life. There's, there's no hope if we're not in tuned. We'll, we'll draw our conclusions from human sources, the news, the whatever, even, even really slick preaching. You know, the one-liner thing. And we'll come up with things that sort of give us the buzz for the moment that we read them. But we, we have no hope unless there is an action, activity inside us of the, of the Spirit who is the Spirit of resurrection. The hope is in Him. You know this? We so easily say this, right? And so Paul, you know, talks to us about if we're living in the Spirit, then, then walk in the Spirit. And so I hear the Spirit, and it's counter to my propensity in this season because it's been tough. Not just getting, getting COVID and stuck up in isolation in America, but the whole two years, extraordinarily tough. You can put up the next slide. So when the Spirit says calm, <laughs> keep calm, He doesn't want you to go dead. Not that calm. Does that come up up there okay? Yeah, not that calm. (laughs) Not that calm, okay? Uh, Keep that. (laughs) Uh, It's it's almost a little, no, sarcasm wouldn't be the word, ironic or something. You know, when the Spirit says keep calm, He's really saying get excited. Like hold it all in for a minute. Because it's time for God's surprise. You know, I've got a little line up there. You know, it's, what, is it on the end of it? Yes, I think it is. Uh, the longer it's taken, the closer it is. <laughs> oh. Well, think of the second coming. The longer it's taken, 
the closer it is. I mean, I don't even have to be an eschatological genius, if you know what that is, to, to know that that's a profound truth. The longer it's taken, the closer it is. You know, think of that 120 in the upper room that, you know, to whom Jesus had given um, encouragement to 500 at least, you know, hang in Jerusalem, you know, be waiting because the Spirit's coming. 120 lasted the distance. But think of it. The longer it took, the closer it was to happening. Some peeled off out the door and said, man, this prayer meeting's getting nowhere. Besides the Super Bowl's on. You know, the Super Bowl, Coliseum televised all around the world. Christians against lions. <laughs> they, they stopped coming to the meetings. I got to be careful. There's naughtiness in me everywhere I go. <laughs> but the longer it had taken the closer it was on the, when the day of Pentecost was fully come. Boom. And they go, oh, wow. Well, they didn't do that. They just went speaking in tongues, right? Think of your unfulfilled promises. Your kind of prophetic uh, themes go on in this conference with this last part of it. Think of your unfulfilled promises, your unfulfilled prophecies. The longer it's taken... The closer it is. Think of, think of your sowing years. Think of how long you've labored in faith. And you're still waiting for the harvest. The longer it's taken, the closer it is. The prophet Habakkuk says in Habakkuk 2, write the vision, make it plain that he may run that reads it. And then it's, 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 it's actually very convoluted. He contradicts himself. He says, though it tarry, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not tarry. Okay, Harry, what do you mean by tarry? But you see what the prophet is saying, in essence, the longer it's taken, the closer it is. And he's warning, but he's also exhorting, you're in a bad time, Israel. You're in a difficult time, people of God. But the longer it's taken, the closer it is. And he's saying, though it tarry. It will surely come. It will not tarry. <laughs> when it comes, it's like, boom! You forgot all that other, you know. That slide can stay up there because it's got a message for us. So when, when we say keep calm, don't go calm so calm that you're flatline. Don't deaden your spirit. In actual fact, brew up with excitement and get ready to break out. Because God isn't done yet. He's not finished. It ain't over, Red Rover. So hey, everybody. The longer it's taken, absolutely. You need to tell yourself that. 
You need to walk out of here and face off that frustration about things not being as they should. Your favourite cafe's closed down. You can't get a decent coffee. You, <laughs> you, you, you lost your job because COVID restraints took the business down. I mean, I could keep talking silly and serious scenario, but your expectations have been cut off. But then let's go and be the people of the Spirit that we are who have the resurrection Spirit within us. Now, this is going to take a bit of a, a, a turn because I'm going, to, I'm going to digress very deliberately to make a fundamental small point. But that's a preacher's problem, isn't it? They digress for a long time to give one sentence, which they could have said. <laughs> but I'm sort of saying to you that we've got, to, we've got to come like I feel the Lord was saying to me, keep calm, this is the time. You know, it's like telling a kid just before Christmas and all those presents are piled up under the tree, you know? Keep calm. I mean, I watch my grandkids clawing all over the big packages, you know? I'm grandfather deceiver. I buy them little things and put them in massive boxes. <laughs> but you know, they, you tell a kid, calm down, calm down, three more days. I watched a little discipline reaction going on in the house we were staying in, and my son shall not be named. But the, the grandson was so anxious for Christmas, and so it was testing him. He was living close to fulfilment, <laughs> but it was five days out, and each day there were more. And some of them had odd shapes like scooters and bikes all wrapped up, you know. And he was, he was guessing, he was leaning in. The problem is he was leaning over and touching and grabbing. And the discipline reaction I noticed was father picking up the phone saying, I'll just call Santa and let him know not to bother. <laughs> and the, the grandson said, now, it was a game, right? It worked. Some of you don't believe in Santa and you've just thrown me out now, but I actually believe in him because I saw, I saw it in action. <laughs> but this is, this, is, this is like God saying, keep calm, but this. And when he stands up in that synagogue and says, this is the time. This is the year of God's yes, the acceptable year of the law, the year of acceptance, the year of yes. This is the year for God to act. It was, we, we don't get it. We don't get it. We really don't get it. We've read it over a million times and preached off it. And we go to the bits about him healing people and delivering people. The God. We just don't get this massive pent up thing. Suddenly, this is it. I so much more I could take you down that track with excitement, genuinely. But let's calm ourselves down in this excitement that we've got. <laughs> and let's be glad that this is the year of God's yes. Let's be glad that it's time for God's surprise. I originally worded it the, the year of God's surprises, but I felt that was trite. I, I wanted to lean up 
to what I think really was happening in the spirit and life of Jesus and what was happening in human history and get any kind of personal application out of this phenomenal moment in human history. The year of God's surprise. And I'm constantly sort of nudging us towards this, this point in my digressions. So I think it's in times like these I, that we're in right now, um, there's a, there was a point as Jesus was talking to his disciples in the uh, upper room where they were doing the communion, the, the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, um, when he said to them, John 13, verse 7, what I'm doing now you don't understand, but you will know after this. This is, this is very much like this. He said, I'm loaded with something. I wish I could explain it to you. You won't get it. But when it happens, you'll get it. And he could see that where they were sitting and what he was going to have to pass through was shockingly horrendous and terrible. But he wasn't saying, you won't understand just about his crucifixion. He was saying, what happens after that is a thing called resurrection, where actually a human life comes up out of the grave and walks and talks and eats and communes and fellowships. And that human life comes up not as the miracle that Jesus said I did back there with Lazarus where he just got his body repaired. You know what I mean? The resurrection that Lazarus has wasn't the same as the resurrection Jesus had because the one that Jesus had had an indestructible sense about it that it wasn't a, a momentary thing. I think Lazarus died again. You can get born again and die again. There you go. But Jesus, that was it. He conquered death. See, this, 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 was, this is unfathomable. But what else it is, is that when it's realized, it's the most stunning, astounding surprise in all history. And still should be. Because it's the biggest thing yet that's ever been done. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so what I'm doing now, he says to his disciples, you, you don't understand. Now, I, I don't think we fully get some of the intent of Luke. Uh, sometimes we approach the Gospels like the, di the diaries, you know, or a biographical diary, you know, an account of Jesus's all the miracles and things, places he went and things he did, and then finally the cross. And, you know, and so we see it as sort of a historical sort of record or diary or, or account like that. But we, miss, we, we hugely miss a point by approaching it that way. And the second thing we often do is, of course, we delve into our favorite stories. And we preach off those, or we, we love the story of when Jesus walked on the water and called Peter out of the boat. We love the story when he stilled the storm, you know. And uh, all that, we, the stories we love, and we, 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 we bounce around inside the book. But when you take it from a narrative point of view and a writer's point of view, from a narrative writer's point of view, Luke is saying something beyond a diary and record of events. And this is so important for what I want to say here. Because here's, the, here's a mind-blowing thing, and I, I could almost guarantee none of you have thought about this. 
Not that I'm an original. I didn't get it sort of off the Mount of Transfiguration or anything, but most of us would not have seen this and in, 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 certainly I hadn't until recently. But you know the story where Jesus stays back in the temple as a 12-year-old and he's there and his parents came down and searched for him for three days. The Bible says for three days. All right. When, he finds, when they find him, basically Mary gets a little anxious and, and scolds Jesus. You imagine telling Jesus off. Anyway, so, but, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and Jesus says some things like this. I must be about my father's business. And then the Bible tells us that did something to Mary. She goes, boom. She didn't just hear a kid saying, I had to do what I had to do, ma'am, you know. She hears revelation. She doesn't understand it, but something is resonating deep in Mary who from the beginning was getting it. See? So they were out from Jerusalem, came back, three-day search, find. When they find him, there's that little tense moment of parental concern. And in it, Jesus says, I had to be about my father's business. And a revelation goes off in Mary's spirit. Okay, now, taking the whole narrative of Luke, are you still with me, kids? That's at the beginning of the Jesus stories, come out of the narrative of, the, 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 the nativity narrative, sorry, and come, that's the beginning of the, you know, the rest of his life. At the end of the story in Luke, post-resurrection, so you're right near the end. At the end of the story, what have you got? You've got these disciples who are forlorn. Bill and I are forlorn. That's out of the story. Sorry. But, but these, <laughs> he's our oversight. <laughs> uh, but you've got these disciples who are forlorn. They're downcast. They're in the evening and they are incredibly depressed. Why? They had lost sight of Jesus in a very big way. They had lost their Jesus. He'd been taken to the cross, crucified and buried. And these guys are walking out from that scenario out of Jerusalem. Now, while they're in that dim, dark moment of depression and natural light, a stranger comes up and walks with them. You know the story, don't you? Jesus and the disciples on the road to Emmaus. And as they're walking along, they don't, they, 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 they don't get it. Their eyes you know, aren't open to see who it is. And this stranger starts to say, what's, what's the matter, guys? And they said, don't you know what's taken place these three days? We've got some of our women folk who have gone to the tomb and say he's not there and... and you know, they're thinking he's, there's been a body snatcher in the deal. No, truly, that's what they were thinking. And these events took uh, three days, and basically, they lost their Jesus. Just like Mary and Joseph lost their Jesus. And panic set in. And this is what the stranger says... He starts explaining scripture and he says, these things must happen. And it's exactly the same Greek word, the word must, that Jesus used here as a boy 
when he said, I have to be about my father's business. Can you see these anchor points? There's a parallelism. One at the beginning of Jesus' story, where Jesus gets lost from view and panic and, you know, fear, concern, some of it quite legit, parental concern. Things go on and they come back and when they find Jesus, Jesus just says, I had to. This is it. This is what I'm about. And a revelation goes off in Mary, yet to be unfolded and understood. These guys, same deal. Three days out, same deal. Jesus comes up to them. <laughs> I like it at that, that part of the story instead of them having to go and try and find him. You know, here's, some, here's something for you. You know, uh, I found Jesus. You didn't find him. He was never lost. He found you. He really did. He found you. And, and when he said, I'm about my father's business, he was really saying, I'm doing something you don't understand. I'm doing more in the dark than in the light. I'm doing more behind your back than in front of you. And what I'm doing now is going to end up with me doing something that is so vast and so big. It's not just about you, but it includes you. And it's really saying, stand back, folks. This is going to get really big. And you're included. We didn't have all of that. That's, you know, the, there's just something about that revelation. And Mary goes, ooh, this is, something's going on here. I have to be about my father's business. This is the father's business. So on this end of the father's business, Jesus says to these guys, yeah, don't you see these things must happen? And when they get into the house and things go transpire, you know the story of the breaking of breath, he says, they say, didn't our hearts kind of burn when he said all that? What's that? That's that same revelation trying to burst out. That's the, that's the spirit trying to break in on them with the revelation that they were walking now with the resurrected Jesus. <laughs> I've just got to animate that one more point and we'll kind of finish. But down here at the beginning of the narrative of Luke, <laughs> Lord Jesus, when he says, I've got to be about my father's business, that woof in the spirit, that sense that this has got something in it, is the surprise. Like Mary goes, whoa. And we know the story from then on out. Absolutely surprise. Because just a few short years, I suppose, you can say that, but he's standing in the synagogue unveiling himself saying, this is it. All right? Surprise. I want you to equate Resurrection with the word surprise for a moment. This is outlandish. Beyond what you would ever ask or think. Where do I get that from? Ephesians 3.20. This is, this is God working on your and my behalf in a bigger scale when we don't understand what's going on, but we're included and it's huge. So when he's down here with these guys... And they're just, it's just starting to distill. And then when he, they recognize him in the light of the room and the breaking of the bread, and like, ah. and then Jesus disappears. But not as a ghost. He was real. He ate the bread. He walked and talked. And there's a whole paradigm shift that's being 
they're being smashed into. Now, is that a surprise or is that a surprise? Because now what's coming to pass is all the promise of Holy Scripture for 2,000 years. And all that silence and all that groaning and moaning and where is God and, and, and writing letters to the pastor of the church. You know, where is God and all of this? I wonder whether God is. Was answering, being answered right there and then in the person of Jesus. That's Luke 24, by the way, that other... That other uh, story of all of that. I, I, I really do have to stop, but let me just encourage you. Anything that's got three days on it in Scripture is the long shadow of the cross. It comes up right through the Old Testament. Hosea prophesied, after two days you will revive us, and on the third day you will raise us up. And you know that the Bible talks that Jesus said that on the third day he would be raised up. Sometimes things have to go through a death and burial. But God has not forgotten his promise. God has not backed up and backed away from doing his will. Now, Jesus may seem elusive to us in that time. The elusive Jesus, I feel like I could have entitled this, you know, like those Where's Wally cartoons? Where's Jesus? The elusive Jesus. But he's gone from view from those who loved him. But he's gone for a cause. He's later found. And it's found doesn't mean that he was lost. But he pro it's proven that he's up to something bigger than we could ever ask or think. And when he explains his absence, he does it very clearly. I had to do this. The elusiveness was necessary. I could say this for you. I've got a few little one-liners. When he's elusive to us, he's being inclusive of us in a work greater than us. It may take a little while to drip out of the distill into the hooch jar, but that's potent. When he's elusive to us, you've been crying out. You're sitting in your hotel room two weeks under COVID or lockdown for two years, whatever. Or this is good. And where are you, Jesus? He said, just keep walking in the Spirit. It's all in there. The surprise package is in the person. The resurrection spirit. And if I'm appearing to be elusive, I'm about my father's business. And these things must happen in order that what? The fulfillment of everything God has promised and said that he would do for you and I. So we have to accept the mystery of those moments. That's tough. But remain faithful to walk in the Spirit, as your theme scripture says. In those out of sight, I don't understand where Jesus is moments. We keep walking in the Spirit. We're sourcing another viewpoint because it's the revelation of the Holy Spirit or the revelation by the Spirit. I'm just going to rephrase that. He is the Spirit of revelation. 
That sustains us through that. It doesn't always give full explanation. But just as I said, when He's elusive to us or seems to be so, He's inclusive of us in something far bigger. My, my son-in-law preached a message recently, the long way is not the wrong way. And we come up with those dumb conclusions because we don't walk in the Spirit. Sorry. Ouch. Did that hurt, Adrian? I said it for you. No, no, I didn't know. But here it is. This is it. The longer it's taken, what? You got it. The longer it's taken, the closer it is. What I'm doing, you don't understand, but you will know after this. Stand with me, would you? I hope you didn't mind my digression into a big Jesus story to make a point about the Holy Spirit working in us. The spirit of surprise, the spirit of resurrection. Oh my God. Thank you, Jesus. Oh God, thank you, Lord. You know, for those of you who've got mad at God over this period or in these dark moments, this text can also, the one that, about the boy one, you know, uh, when Jesus was a boy, that should encourage you. Mary got mad, you know. <laughs> it should encourage you a little bit. You know, sometimes we don't get it. We just get it wrong, you know, but we're, we're not excluded and we're not scolded. He'll just say very clearly, I'm up to something you don't understand. So if you've, if you've had a little pouty moment or maybe it's gone for a few weeks or months, um, Jesus, Jesus isn't really phased by that. You, you, you know, he's not going to say, well, judgment for you, son or daughter. What he's going to do is very understandingly just get on with what he's got to do because one day you will know. And that revelation will dawn. I really believe this for you. <laughs> and I've just got one little quote. I'll read it and then pray. Because some of my thinking was ignited by doing some studies with N.T. Wright. And in his commentary, he says this. Every time we relax and think we've really understood Him, He will be up ahead or perhaps behind. Just when we think we got Him worked out, He will be either up ahead of us or staying behind while we go on without thinking. We just go on thinking, where are you, Jesus? Finding Him, of course, will normally involve surprise. Jesus doesn't do or say what Mary and Joseph or the two on the road were expecting. It will be like that for us too. So Holy Spirit, I'm praying that the spirit of wisdom and revelation will, will really get through the cynicism of keep calm to the kind of irony of keep calm because this is the year of God's yes. And that birth in the life of this church and in people's hearts will come alive the resurrection spirit that in this difficult time of world events and all we're passing through and concerns we have, that we will have within us that indomitable spirit surging to life with a revelation that will unfold, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation will come upon every one of them. These are your people, Lord. Those who are feeling bereft, those who are feeling the promises not happen, that Lord, 
the longer it's taken, the closer it is will be like a revelation to them that this is the pending moment. Come, Holy Spirit. This is the moment just before because this is the year when God says yes. This is the year and it's time for Him to act. In and through Jesus, I pray. Amen, Lord. Amen. And we laid hands on everybody tonight and had a really good time and went home.